0: My name is Kevin. Even though, yeah, the flyer said I was a guest speaker, I've been here for three years, but, um, you know, I'll take the guest benefits, you know what I mean? So other than that, who's ready for the word tonight? Amen. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited for this word. Like John said, uh, he said, preach on the anointing. Um, How many of you guys have heard about the anointing before? Raise your hand. Good. Who's never heard about the anointing before? That's good. We got uh, two or three hands. That's pretty good. So yeah, um, the title of tonight's message is The Anointing and the Anointed One. Who's excited? So yeah, tonight I'm going to be talking about the anointing and um, just a couple of aspects of the anointing because this is a very complicated topic. Um, If you are Pentecostal or charismatic, you've probably heard this word over a thousand times. But uh, tonight I'm going to do my best to break it down in a simple way and uh, make sure that, listen, I pray that this word tonight may inspire you. I pray that this word may not just fall to the floor, but that it can permeate in your heart. That you may uh, uh, leave this room encouraged and with hunger to seek more of God. Amen. How many of you guys believe that this is the year of more? Like Andrew said, if we want more of God, we got to give God more of us. Amen, so yeah, so before I talk about what the anointing is, let me just tell you what it's not I'm so sorry yeah um yeah I'm gonna tell you a funny story I'm gonna use that story. listen, I got stories <laughs> i I haven't been in church my whole life, but uh, I gave my life to Jesus about five to six years ago, so I've seen a couple of things, you know crazy stuff and um so let me go ahead and tell you my story so <laughs> i remember i uh, i come from this very fiery pentecostal environment you know like kind of raja any, any rajas that came from a raja church you know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about yeah we've been through it together we got a story um i remember um back in the you know the fuego pentecostal church i used to see these evangelists these uh guest speakers come to the house all the time they would preach they would start screaming that "Ah, and um, I would say wow that's so powerful and I would see them like laying hands on people you guys seen that they blow on people's faces and people are just falling like dominoes I'm over here like oh my god that's so interesting listen I just I I just came straight out of the world I was 17 and I'm seeing all this crazy stuff and I'm like yo what is this that's so crazy I was standing in the chair and I look sideways and there's a lady like whipping her head back and forth kind of like the song I whip my head back and forth (laughs) it was it was crazy so a couple of years I'll be like man a couple of years later you know I got I got saved and um I would ask man what is this going on you know people shaking people screaming shouting falling what is this and they would say that's the anointing of the Holy Ghost and I'm like wow that's so interesting I didn't know that was what the anointing was So it's pretty interesting because I said, cool, then, I guess I want to give this a try. I want to lay out some people on the floor. I want to blow on somebody's face. This looks awesome. So I remember we had some uh, services going on where the pastor, they would do the altar call. You know, we're standing in there for an hour. So you see me, like, on the little corner. I'm like, I'm ready to pray for somebody today. So I was standing in in a little corner, uh, and I would see this young adult um, just standing there. And I'm like, I'm going to pray for this guy. Watch. I'm going to lay him out in the spirit right now. So, you know, I just start walking to him, like, tuk, 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 tuk. and I'm like, hey, bro, how you doing? Do you need prayer? Yeah, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I remember I would lay hands. I was, I was OD. I was extra because it's what I used to see. So I was copying what I saw. And I remember I would just lay hands and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now. And I would close my eyes a little bit, and then I would open them to see if he was still standing. I'm like, he's still standing. God, <clears throat> Father, right now, touch him. Fill him up, Lord. Right now. And then I will open my eye and I'm like, yo, he's still, yo, what is up with this guy, bro? <laughs> I'll be like, yo, what is up with this guy, man? And I'll be like, listen, God is telling me to tell you right now that you need to open up your heart. You're in- <laughs> Cause you're not receiving. Just true story, man. Tough times. But um, the thing is, the crazy thing is I had a big misconception of what the anointing was because of who was around me, you know. They showed and um, I learned what what the anointing was not. And sometimes in life, God will allow you to go through something and show you what it's not so you can learn what it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you know, I've been through some crazy stuff, but I thank God, you know, because of that, like John says, bro, you're here today. You went through some rough patches, but God needed to put you through that stuff so you can become who you are today. So I started reading the Bible. If you got questions, where do you go? The Bible. Hello. So I went to the Bible, and I literally looked up in every single book where does it talk about the anointing. And I literally read every single verse in the Bible that talks about the anointing, and I figured it is nothing of what those people said it was. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not, number one, it's not goosebumps. Have you guys heard that before? The anointing, the goosebumps. Oh, no, it's not goosebumps. It's not a a feeling, it's not a sensation. When you read the Bible, the anointing is simply an official act, an act. So let me give you some context, all right? Back in the Old Testament, God had a calling for these men. God anointed certain men for an assignment because when God anoints somebody, he anoints you for an assignment, amen? God doesn't just anoint people for them to look cute or more spiritual, he anoints you for action. There's a lot of people that want the anointing of God, but they don't want to serve, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people that want the power, but they don't want to serve, they don't want to get rooted. You have to serve, because the anointing requires action. Every time God anointed someone in the Bible, they literally did something afterwards. So there were uh, three offices in the Old Testament, the office of a king, the office of a priest, and the office of a prophet. So let's say I'm God, right? I'm God, and um, Camila, perfect. Let's say before I created Camila, I already had plans for her, I already had a calling upon her life. So before even she was created, God already had a purpose for her, amen, because before the Bible says that before you were created, God already had plans and purposes in your life. So there became a, poem, a moment in her life that I would say, okay, I want to use her, because I don't just want her to be a regular Christian, I don't want her to just live an insignificant life because I have plans and I have purposes for Camila, amen. So I will speak, let's say God will speak to a prophet. The prophet will grab a bottle of oil. He will open it, I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna do it. And the prophet will pour out the oil over her head, right? Are you guys following me? And that oil was a, was a symbol, meaning that you were officially installed into the ministry and calling that God created you for. But however, it was not the oil that empowered them for their ministry because we see a lot of people you know pouring oil oh yeah you're called go ahead i send you no it was the holy spirit who empowered these men to carry out their assignment point number one the anointing empower activates you and empowers you for an assignment how many of you guys believe that god has an assignment for you how many of you believe that you were not sent on this earth to live an insignificant life And like I said, that before God formed you in your mother's womb, God already had a purpose for you. God already designed you with a specific assignment. He sent you to this earth to fulfill that assignment. Because, I mean, yeah, God saved us, right? Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but he didn't just die to save you. He died so you can do something with the Jesus that lives in you, amen? And if we look at these companies like Apple, Microsoft, this is so interesting before apple releases a product before they even create the product the creator already had in mind the things that he was going to do with the product the creator knew what was the product going to be used for he already had all the programs all the applications ready the blueprint so when they create that they placed all in it and send it out that's the same thing that god does with us that's how the anointing works amen God's plan was already inside of you, but the anointing activates you for that assignment. Amen. So I believe that every single believer needs to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can I get an amen? So I want you guys to go to Mark chapter one real quick. Let's go to Mark chapter one. Tonight I'm gonna focus on the life of Jesus. Why? because I believe that there's nobody more anointed in the Bible than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus lived an anointed lifestyle. Matter of fact, the word Christ, you know how his name is uh, Jesus Christ. The word Christ comes from the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one. So the anointing is not just a thing, it's a person. His name is Jesus. Um, And it's crazy, because jesus couldn't be the anointed one if it wasn't for the holy spirit and i know you're probably saying but wait wasn't jesus half man and like half god he was but i believe that jesus needed to he needed to model the walk of a believer so we can be able to copy it and apply it amen so yeah let's go ahead and read mark chapter 1 verses 9 through 13 but we're gonna focus on verses 9 through 11 and it says at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. So this was the moment in Jesus's life where he was anointed and empowered. So he was able to carry out the assignment that God placed inside of him. Are you following me, church? Let me tell you something crazy. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to preach. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to teach, to cast out demons, to do the miracles and all that crazy, interesting stuff. But it's pretty interesting that there's no historical evidence, absolutely, of what happened to Jesus in the first 30 years of his life. There's nowhere in in history that it says that he did any sort of miracles, any sort of signs and wonders. Actually, it was not until the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus that Jesus was actually able to do signs, wonders, and miracles and all that crazy stuff. What is the Bible trying to tell us here, church? That if even Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need the Holy Ghost in my life? It's crazy. It's crazy. Listen, we need the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, Jesus, the Son of God, I believe that we need him as well. Because it is the Spirit of God that empowers you to do the things that you cannot do by your own strength. Amen. Because there's some things in your assignment that you literally are not going to be able to do by your own. Your calling, your purpose, you're not going to be able to do it. And it is the Holy uh, Spirit of God that empowers us for that. He gives us the wisdom. He gives us the knowledge. He gives us the understanding. He gives us the guidance for us to do the things that God has called us for. But I believe that we need to start depending more on his agenda. We need to start depending more on on the Holy Spirit and less on us. Because when we try to do things by our own strength, let me tell you, we fail. We need to be more dependent on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is God. Does that make sense? It'll make sense a, a, in a little as we keep on preaching so it is a spirit that empowers us to serve he empowers us to love and he also empowers us to reach out to other people so let's go ahead and continue reading the next verse and it says and a voice came from heaven you are my son whom i love and with you i am well pleased and it says at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness or desert 40 days so take take a pause right there pause this is interesting so as we look at the story it says that the spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in there for 40 days it's kind of interesting how the bible doesn't say that right after he was anointed and empowered he was sent out to preach It's interesting how it doesn't say that he was sent to do miracles. It says that he was sent into the desert where he was tested. Sometimes God has to test you before he can send you. God has to test you before he can send you. And I love the Bible. If you're like me, I pay attention to the details. If you're taking notes, yeah, write that down. When I look in the Bible, I like paying attention to the smallest details. The Bible says that Jesus was in the desert for how many days? 40 days. If you're like me and you're extra with the Bible, in uh, biblical numerology, the number 40 means preparation. So when we look at the desert, a lot of believers look at the desert as, man, this is a place of torture. The desert is a a place of, of torture where I'm just being stripped, I'm being destroyed, no the desert is not a place of torture it's a place of preparation how many of you guys here have ever felt like man I'm, I'm going through a desert raise your hand let me tell you it is in the desert that God tests your faith he will test your faithfulness he will test your heart and your character I don't know if any of you here have you, has your faith been tested before a lot of times Can I tell you that God is not trying to destroy you? He's he's just trying to mold you into the image and into the man and woman of God that God has created you to be. When you, you feel like you're going through a desert in life, God is not destroying you. Even if right now you feel like, man, I'm going through a desert. I'm being tested. I'm being pressed from every side. It just means God is trying to launch you into the purpose in which he has called you to do. Can I get an amen, church? Awesome. Before God can send you, he has to test you. It's in the desert that God works in you. It's in the desert that God breaks your pride. He humbles you. Because um, God is way too good right, to send you somewhere unprepared. And even worse than that, God is not going to allow you to be sent when you have pride in your heart. In the desert, God tears down that pride. Why? Because then you're going to be launched into an assignment thinking it's all about you and not about God. Me, 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 look at me doing it. You know, take pictures of me, put them on Instagram. Let me get some likes. Woo, tag me. The purpose of our purpose is not for the purpose of glorifying ourselves. Our purpose is only meant to glorify God and magnify the name of Jesus. Come on, man. Your purpose is meant for you to glorify the name of Jesus and for him to be lifted up high and to magnify him, amen? Because let me tell you this, pride corrupts the anointing. Pride is probably the biggest thing that can corrupt the anointing of God upon your life. How do you think the devil lost his anointing? Did you know that the, the enemy, the devil, he was anointed once? It's in the Bible. I'll show you in a few seconds. How did he lost? How did he lose his anointing? Pride. Let's go ahead and read. Let's go to Ezekiel 28 verses 14 through 17. Look what it says. This is so interesting. It says, "I ordained you and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian." It says you had access to the holy mountain of God and you walked among the stones of fire or the stars. Other versions say uh, the, the, the stars. It says you were blameless in all that you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Next verse. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. It's interesting. It says that he sinned. Wait, yeah. So I banished you In this grace, from the mountain of God, I expelled you, O you mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Next verse. Your heart was filled with pride. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and I exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. The devil literally lost everything that he had because of pride. And not even that. The Bible says that the day that he was created, the Bible says that he had all the precious stones in the back of of his garments. It's in the Bible. You can read it. But because of pride, he lost all of it. Sometimes pride can cause you to lose everything that you hold on to, everything that you have. So that's why we got to allow ourselves to be humbled by God sometimes. Can I get an amen, church? And listen to this, even worse, since the devil lost his anointing, he's going to try to do everything in his power to make sure that you lose your anointing as well. It's like that little kid in elementary school. Since they took the toy away from me, nobody else could play. Have you guys ever been through that? Or your brother? They take away your PS4, blah, blah, blah. My brother also had, you got mama, you got to take his PS4 too. It's not fair. That's how the devil feels. He's like a child. Um, Yeah. And he tried it with Jesus. He literally tried to make Jesus compromise his anointing and try to make him lose it. Let's go ahead and read uh, the next passage. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 13. So Jesus was sent into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. Imagine 40 days being tempted by Satan. That's annoying. Some of us would have failed day one. Jesus lasted 40 days. Just being real with you, I would have probably lasted probably a few few hours a few minutes who knows just being real and he was out among the wild animals and it says that the angels took care of jesus but if you look at the story the bible says that the, the enemy tempted jesus with what turn these stones into bread when jesus was the bread of life why would he need the, the, the devil's bread i mean he was the bread of life the second thing he tempted jesus with he said listen Come up here, Jesus. You see all these kingdoms, all these things on the earth? If you bow down and worship me, I'll give you their authority. I'll give you their splendor and their glory. He was trying to make Jesus fall for the same thing the devil fell. That's crazy. And not only that, the part that I I, I don't understand is that why would the devil tempt Jesus with something that he already had? Because the Bible says, look, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, was lifted up to heaven. He sat in the highest throne. He was given all the authority, all the power, all the glory, all the dominion over all the earth. But he had to die on the cross. So what the devil was trying to do, he was saying basically, hey, Jesus, I can give you all of this without you having to die on the cross. I can give you all the kingdoms of the earth. I can give you an easy way out and you don't even have to die on the cross. Imagine if Jesus would have taken the devil's offer because he was a man, he was tempted, just like you and I. And um, a lot of times, the devil is gonna come at you offering you things that God already kind of promised you over your life, but he will give you the easy way out. He'll say, why keep your purity? Why save yourself before marriage when you can have sex right now with anybody you want? He'll tell you, why keep your purity? Listen, you don't have to stay pure. You don't have to wait till marriage. I can give you this right now. And give me your purity. Give me, you know, your consecration. I'll give you this. How many people has the devil tempted saying, why would you use your, your gifts and your talents for the church when you can use them for the world? And I can give you so much money. I can give you so much fame, so much power. When in reality, God already promised you greatness in him. Listen, never trade what God has given you over to what the devil has to offer. Never trade the gift, the things that God has placed in you over to what the enemy has to offer. Because at the end of the day, what the enemy has to offer, it might seem good, but they're just crumbs of bread. And let me tell you something. a A lot of believers, a lot of us have traded our anointing over crumbs of bread. And these crumbs of bread, they look good, right? No, just me, yeah. These crumbs of bread, they look good. When the enemy's like, yo, here, Papa, look what I got for you. You're like, wow, I can have it right now, yes. But you gotta be, no, God has something better for me. God has a purpose for me. And I'm not gonna compromise my integrity, I'm not gonna compromise my leadership, my anointing over literally crumbs of bread. And let me tell you, the enemy will do everything in his absolute power to stop you from going to where you have to go. So he'll, he'll present all these little things in front of you so you can get distracted and, and stop yourself from uh, carrying out the mission that God gave you. That's what he was trying to do with Jesus, trying to stop him from dying on the cross because he knew when Jesus died on the cross, if you know the story, our sins were forgiven, we were set free and now we have access to, 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 to the God through Jesus Christ. So sometimes the devil is gonna literally put things around you to distract you, distract you from going to where God wants to take you. So what am I trying to say with this? Protect your anointing. Protect your anointing. That means protect your heart from the Delilahs. If you've been in church long enough, you know what I'm talking about, guys. Watch out for the Delilahs. Almost every single anointed man in the Bible the devil got them because of a female. And ladies, you too, the devil probably won't send you a Delilah, but he'll send you a Delilah. <laughs> Just being honest with you, almost every single man in the Bible fell because of a Delilah. I'm like, what? So that means when you are a believer, I don't know why I'm talking about this. We're gonna hear probably some of this on basics. You gotta really consider who you're dating especially when you're on a mission, especially when you're purposed, especially when God has plans over your life, you cannot just say anybody, come on, man. Listen, don't just give in to anybody. Protect your purity. Protect your heart. You know what happened to Samson? He compromised his anointing and he lost his strength and his vision. When we compromise our anointing over to what the devil has to offer, a lot of times you're going to lose your strength and your vision. And if the enemy can take away your vision, that's it, you're done. He got you. He got you. Protect what God has given you. Look what the Holy Spirit says in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.14. Look what it says. Guard the treasure and trust it to you with the help of the holy spirit that dwells inside of us i ask myself questions when i when i read the bible i would say why do we gotta i will ask myself why is it that we gotta guard our anointing why is it that i gotta protect what what's inside of me let me tell you what's inside of you it's a weapon against the enemy that's why the enemy hates the anointing. That's why the enemy tries literally everything in his power to make sure that you're stripped from it. That's why he did it with Jesus. That's why he tried it with Jesus. He, he never accomplished it, hello. He, he did it with Samson. He did it with David. He did it with King Solomon because he knew that what was inside of them was a powerful weapon against them. Let me tell you something, the anointing that's inside of you, the, the anointing that God has placed in you is gonna cause hell some damage. Point number two, point number two, the anointing over your life is going to cause hell some damage. How? I believe that God wants to use you to snatch people from going to hell, and the enemy don't want that. God wants to use you as a vessel to set people free, to set your deliver your friends, to deliver your family. God wants to use you to heal the brokenhearted, but the thing is that the devil does not want that, so he's going to try everything in his power to stop it. And that is why God tells us in his word that we gotta protect the treasure that he has placed inside of you. Let's move on to the next verse. The anointing over your life is gonna set people free. Do you guys believe that? So let's go back to Mark chapter one. I'm gonna read uh, from verse 21. So to give you some backstory of what's going on. So Jesus was anointed. He went to the, uh, to the desert. And now he came back full of the, the Bible says that he came out of the desert full of the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm telling you, Jesus was tested and he said, I'm ready to kick the devil's butt. I'm ready. So he shows up in, in, uh, uh, in this town called Capernaum and it says, Jesus and his companions, it says, they went to the town of Capernaum when the Sabbath day came. The Sabbath. It says he went into the synagogue and began to teach. And look what it says the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority and it says quite unlike the teachers of the religious law if you don't know about the teachers of the religious law these were literally the quote unquote the leaders of the church they knew the bible they were gifted they knew the word literally genesis to malachi because they didn't have matthew uh, mark james luke and john back then they knew the bible they were gifted but they were not anointed jesus was anointed because when he began to teach and speak the word of god people saw man there is something different about this guy because you see when you're anointed people will notice that there's just something odd different about you When you are anointed, people are gonna know that there's something different about you. Just like Jesus did, the Bible says that Jesus walked into places and literally the atmospheres would change on the dot. Jesus would walk inside a room and the Bible says that people were healed, the demons were casted out, people gave their lives to him, people believed in him. Every time Jesus walked somewhere, things happened. Captives were set free. People were uh, healed, sorry. People believed in God. And I believe that when a believer is full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we can do the same things too. This is what the Bible says that every believer should do. Not the pastors, not the evangelists, not the prophets. The Bible says that believers are supposed to walk like Jesus did. What does this mean? When you're anointed, basically the anointing, what it does, the anointing demonstrates the power of God in you. I want you to write that down. The anointing demonstrates the power of God in you. So when you're anointed, you radiate the power of God. When you're anointed, you radiate his presence wherever you go, not just church. That means work, that means school, your house, your job. And I, you know, I, I apply it to myself too. We are meant to walk into rooms and literally change atmospheres. God has called us to do that and I believe that the world, the church, and when I'm, when I'm talking about the church, I'm not just saying new birth, I mean the church, the universal church. The church and the world need more anointed believers and less gifted believers. Because a lot of people mistake the anointing for giftings and talents. And um, let me tell you, the devil is not afraid of gifts and talents. He's afraid of anointed believers because the devil can use a gift. He was like, oh, for real, you can sing? I can use that. What? You can speak? What? Okay, let me give you an offering. Come over here, buddy. He's not afraid of gifts and talents. And I'm I'm not disqualifying, don't get me wrong, I'm not disqualifying gifted people. I'm not disqualifying talented people. I'm just saying it will be so much better when your talent radiates the presence of God. It'll be so much better if that talent can just, I don't know, attract people to the presence of God. That's why I believe we need to spend more time with Jesus. Because let me tell you, there's a strong difference in between the gifting and the anointing. I want you to write that down. Put gifting versus anointing, there's a strong difference. The gift can bring goosebumps, but the anointing sets people free. The anointing, the gift brings performance, but the anointing brings the presence. And I believe that we need more presence and less performance. And let me tell you something, when you are anointed by the Holy Ghost, you don't gotta perform. You don't gotta act more spiritual. You don't, you don't gotta act more holy. You don't gotta walk a certain way. You don't gotta talk a certain way because the anointing of God, the presence of God is gonna be upon you and everybody will notice. The anointing upon a believer's life is obvious. You don't need to act it out. Did Jesus ever perform in the Bible? He never performed. The Bible says that Jesus was a simple guy. He would walk into places and that's it. The tables are flipped. When we spend time with Jesus, it produces an anointing over our lives. To access the anointing, that's one of the things. You need to spend time with Jesus. We need to separate ourselves. Can I talk about it? We need to separate ourselves. What is separation? That's a part about the anointing not a, not a lot of people like. When you're separated, the Bible says Another word for separation is consecration. Another word for consecration is holiness. But when the Bible talks about holiness, he's not talking about you walking around with a halo. Oh, I'm holy. No. Holiness in the Bible just means that God literally grabs you and he sets you apart for his purposes, to be in a constant pursuit of God, meaning when God separates you, sometimes he's gonna he's gonna have to separate you from certain environments if you want the anointing you want the power god is gonna have to separate you because a lot of people say i want the power i want the anointing but nobody wants to be separated everybody wants to fit in nowadays we want to fit in with the world we love to fit in with society especially our generation we just love to fit in um But if you want to tap into the anointing and the manifestation life, God is going to have to separate you. You're going to have to set yourself aside. And I'm not talking about isolation. It doesn't mean literally I'm shutting myself out from everybody. I'm not going to talk to nobody because that's how people fall into sin when you're by yourself. When you're separated, it just means you are not going where the crowd is going. Let's say you're in a place, right, and everybody doing something they're not supposed to. And you know the Holy Ghost is telling you, what are you doing? That's called conviction. Anybody had conviction before? All the time. That conviction that you feel when you are with certain, in certain environments, with certain people, that conviction that you feel is God calling you to separation. And I want to tell you a personal testimony. I don't know why the Holy Ghost is like pushing this out of me. Um, Back in 2014, I remember I was about a year saved. I gave my life uh, to Christ around 2013. And I never understood this whole concept of separation. I didn't get it. I'm like, why do I have to, why can't I just be a normal person? Because when you you are a believer, you're not a regular person. Let me just tell you that. You're not a regular individual because you have God living in you. And since you have God living inside of you, that means your life, you're no longer just a regular dude or woman. You have God living inside of you. That's crazy. So I remember New Year's comes. I'm walking outside of my house. And um, I remember I had a neighbor that I went to high school with. And um, I look right, right, and I see all of my friends from high school in that house. I'm like, yo, Kevin, what's up, bro? my little Puerto Rican friends. (laughs) These are all my friends from high school. And if you know my story, God literally took me out of a place. These people know. I used to walk in church right with shades. It's crazy. You can guess why. Anyways. True story, man. God is good. And all the time. So I was in the environment, right? And if you know Puerto Ricans, they love to party. They love the beers. They love the music, the shots, and all that crazy stuff. And I just got saved. So I'm in there like this. (laughs) True story. I'm just being real with you. I was so tempted to grab a beer and drink that. They even asked me. But I just felt so convicted. I'm like, God, why am I feeling why am I feeling so bad right now? I didn't understand it. And I will ask God questions. You know, after that night, I was like, I really did not enjoy tonight. I don't know why. I haven't seen my house, my high school friends in like years. And I'm I'm trying to have a good time with them. I'm trying to have a beer. I'm trying to have you know a shot. And why is it that I just feel so convicted? Because God was calling me to separation. And I'm pretty sure if you're sitting in this room, you've asked God sometimes, why is it that I feel so bad when I'm trying to do something that I'm not supposed to? I'm pretty sure a lot of us in this room, we've asked God, God, why? Why is it that I just can't be a regular Christian, do a regular person, do everything that everybody else does without feeling convicted as heck? Why is it that I just can't have a beer with my buddies, you know, after, I don't know, basketball? Why is it that I walk into certain environments and I just feel so uncomfortable all the time? Let me tell you, it's because God has separated you for a greater purpose. And where God wants to take you, he has to set yourself apart, because where he's taking you is so much greater. Listen, the plans that God has over your life are greater than the plans that you have over yourself. And a lot of times, God is gonna have to separate you from the bunch to take you to where he has to take you. It happened in the Bible. Before elevation comes separation. Separation, separation leads you to elevation. The Bible says that Jesus took three out of his 12 disciples to the mountain. Three out of the 12 to give him a higher revelation of who Christ was. Sometimes in order for us to access that revelation we're gonna to have to separate ourselves if we want to go to the top of the mountain a lot of times we're not gonna see a lot of people up there the higher you go into the mountain the less people you're gonna see the deeper you go into God I'm just telling you the plain truth about the gospel the further and the deeper you go into God you're not gonna to see too many people in there and a lot of times you're gonna feel that man why is it that I'm so alone listen God wants to spend time with you God wants to take you into deeper waters He doesn't just want you to live a surface level Christianity that's so boring. Can I be real with you? Listen, let me be so realistic with you right now. If Christianity was all about just coming to church, sitting down on a Tuesday and Sunday night, listening to a sermon, singing a couple of songs, and that's it, that would be boring. Let me tell you that Christianity goes so much deeper. And I believe that Christianity is not really, if we don't develop a relationship with God. And I believe that God doesn't want us to stay with what we know. He doesn't want you to stay having the same, the same image you have of God right now. I believe God wants to reveal your, himself to us. He wants to reveal himself to us in greater ways, in deeper ways. And God is waiting for you, but we have to separate ourselves and go into the secret place. Um, Another thing about the anointing, and this is my last point. You can throw it up. The anointing comes with a price. A lot of people want the anointing, but it comes with a price. Separation is one of them. But the second price that you have to pay is pain. Let me explain this to you. Suffering. How? How? If you read the Bible, almost every single man that was anointed, suffered. Almost every single man in the Bible, they went through hardships. They went through horrible moments in life. They were tested, they were pressed. Look at the life of Jesus, the life of Peter. Peter was hanged upside down. John was thrown into a boiling pot. Nothing happened because he was anointed because the anointing protects you. But um, almost every single man in the Bible went through some sort of hardship. And it's so interesting because when you look at these men, none of them ever said, I'm gonna quit because this is hard. None of them said, I'm gonna quit this whole following Jesus lifestyle because I'm just going through so much crap. The devil is hitting me literally everywhere and I'm so tired of it. I'm tired of losing things. I'm tired of sacrificing. I just want to be, no. They understood that the hardships that they went through were all for a greater purpose. They understood that the process of pain and suffering only produced a greater glory within them. Look what Paul said. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.7 real quick. And it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Look what it says. We are hard pressed on every side. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. It says perplexed, but not in despair. It says persecuted, but not abandoned. It says struck down, but not destroyed come on and it says we always carry around in our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be revealed in our body and it says for we are alive for we who are alive we are always being given over to the death of jesus for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our body So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So what is Paul trying to tell us? That when you are pressed, that when you are perplexed, that when you are persecuted, that when you are struck down, that when you are going through horrible moments in life, God is not trying to destroy you. He's trying to produce something from within you to come out of you. It's because there's a greater glory inside of you that's trying to come out. And I believe that the only way that what's in you can come out of you, the anointing of God in you can come out of you, it's only if you are pressed. Let me tell you something crazy. If you look at an olive, if you look at an olive, in order for me to extract what's inside of it, what do I got to do? I got to press it. If I want to take out the oil that's inside of the olive, I got to press it hard. How do you think people make orange juice? They got to press it. So the best of the orange in it can come out. Let me tell you that in order for the best of God in you, If you want the best of God in you to come out of you, you gotta be pressed. If you want the oil of the Holy Spirit to be produced out of you, you gotta be perplexed. It has to come out of you. Because listen to this, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the anointing was upon men, meaning that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and then leave but since jesus paid a price died on the cross the anointing of god is no longer upon you is within you so now it has to come out of you so it can bless everybody that's around you crazy story there's a story in the bible that jesus was walking right and there was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years The Bible says that she ran to Jesus and grabbed his mantle. Why? Because she recognized that there was something inside of him that she needed. Maybe what's inside of you is exactly what your friends need. Maybe the thing God placed in you is exactly what your family needs. Maybe the anointing that God placed in you is exactly what your alcoholic friends need let me tell you let me tell you a secret if you want to discover what your anointing is keep an open eye around the uh, to the people that god places around you if you want to discover what god what anointing is inside of you pay attention to the people around you because the anointing is not for us it's for people amen it's meant to overflow so everybody around me can catch it and it's crazy if you feel like God is just placing a bunch of weirdos around you, God, is, God has anointed you for weirdos. If God has placed a bunch of broken people around you, a bunch of messed up people around you, a bunch of hurting people around you, it means God has gave you given you a, an anointing to heal the brokenhearted. So man, never disqualify the people that God places around you because what's inside of you is exactly what they need. The miracle that's inside of you is exactly what those people need. There's a miracle inside of you that's going to bless somebody. There's a word inside of you that's going to bring somebody to Jesus. And there's an anointing inside of you that's going to set the captives free. Do you guys believe that tonight? But you gotta be pressed. You gotta be put through tough moments in life. So, it, so what's in you can come out of you.